Hello, listeners. Well, as we sit here, it is mid-August, and we know that means school is right around the corner for many of you. We know the transition from summer fun to the school year can be an adjustment in the best of times, but throw in a divorce or a separation on top, and well, as they say, it's complicated. So I reached out to our friend Jenny Stevens, a school counselor for 20 years, a divorce mom herself, and a coach, and I asked her to share her top tips to help you and your kids thrive this coming school year. So listen in to this bonus episode of Divorce and Beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today we're joined again by my friend Jenny Stevens. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Susan. How are you? It's great to see you. Well, and I'm so happy to see you today. This is an episode that I reached out to you just a couple of days ago uh, because I really wanted to get uh, some information out there for parents as their kids are going back to school. Um, Let me remind everyone why I reached out to you. My friend Jenny is, um, she is a coach and um, is helping people as they move through the divorce process and through change. In fact, her company is called Create Change Consultants, but from I think more than 20 years, you were the a school counselor at one of the premier schools here in Chicago, yeah. right? Yes. So yes. Who, also, yeah. Yeah. Who better to go to for some tips on back to school? Um, Jenny's been with us a couple of times before. I wanted to remind you all. She was uh, kind enough to pop in to help the singles, the newly single out there to get through the holiday season if they were singing single bells. And (laughs) then when, you know, and and on a sadder note, that was a a great episode to help people through holiday season. Um, Also, back when the Oxford school shooting happened, for my listeners who know, that's the school where my niece and nephew went. um, And I really wanted to quickly get an episode out there because I know that it's so hard for parents to talk to their children when these things happened. And Jenny jumped on with me and we did a special how to talk to your kids about school shootings. And very sadly, we've had to repost that episode three times now since that episode came out uh, the first time, because unfortunately in the world we live in, mass shootings continue to happen. Um, So I'll have links to those. Jenny has been a huge help to listeners in the past. And, you know, now we're about to enter into a school season. We're mid-August. Uh, I talked to one of my colleagues yesterday. Her college kids go back actually next week. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's hard to believe, but we're back. And for families that are restructuring through divorce, through separation, or kids changing schools or anything that might be going on, this can be a really tricky time of year. So having dealt with this for so long, being a mom yourself, having been through a divorce and separation, you know, you have so many wonderful tips. Um, so thank you for joining me today. Thank you for clearing your schedule on such short notice. My um, it's it's going to be a great episode, folks. So you know, where would you start? If you have a parent who's feeling a little overwhelmed right now, kids are getting ready to go back to school. What's the first thing you would tell them to do? Um, great question. Um, I think it's an exciting time of, um, to get ready because maybe it's because my kids need structure and I'm so excited for them to get into school. We won't tell them that. 
but I'm sure if you're listening and you're a working mom or dad, it's kind of nice for summer to sort of come to an end because everybody jumps into a schedule and we all like a routine, um, sometimes more than not. And sometimes summer can feel long. Um, so to answer your question, I think these are just sort of the like most important things. And the first one starts with bedtime and falling asleep. A lot of times during the summer, we let our kids stay up later and do a little more that things that we wouldn't naturally have them do during the school year. So it's really important to inch their bedtime up by 15 minutes, beginning two weeks before school starts. So if you're like me, whose kids start school in less than 10 days, start today. And then you can even tell them, I've told my daughters, look, we need to go to bed by nine, not 9.30. And this is why. And they're like, okay. So it's important to inch up the bedtime just so the night before school, it's not so difficult to fall asleep. Um, and then the second thing, which I think is can also be a really fun thing, is to have your kids be a part of ordering school supplies. And you can print out the list. I mean, I'm sort of a geek about this. I love making the list and ordering from Office Depot and having them sit next to me online or taking them to Target. So engage with them about ordering supplies. And some of your kids might be like, oh my gosh, mom or dad, just do it on your own. And some of your kids might really enjoy that process. And then, um, and that can be even, like I have one of my daughters loves a, a new backpack. And so she was really geeked about this one backpack and then has been watching every day for the delivery and whatnot. So um, ordering supplies and even getting excited about their first day of school outfits, if you can, if that's something that your family, um, you know, can, can be, um, can do, um, even like a new pair of shoes. So sort of talking about the supplies and getting kids excited about that first few days of school. You know, so you're bringing, you're saying these things and it's actually bringing up being a kid myself, um, which is a long time ago. Uh -huh. But it's, I remember, you know, having that first outfit for the first day of school mm -hmm. picked out and laying out and ready. Right. I remember you mentioned Target. I was just there the other day and the whole front of the store is just school supply heaven. Um, you know, so yes, in the world we live in today, you can order your school supplies from Amazon. But it used to be fun to go and pick out like a different color folder for each class yeah. and, you know, get all the things organized and pulled together. I think it also gives kids um, sort of that runway to school, like you were talking about with the sleep. It also, you know, if you do this over a period of time, I think it lets the kids start to build some enthusiasm for getting back seeing their friends again, um, but also feeling prepared and not overwhelmed. Yes. And speaking of um, the runway and getting kids mentally prepared is um, two things happen. Like they, we go through a shift as parents, but also kids go through a shift. Of, oh, I only have two weeks left or I only have 10 days left. So some of the things I recommend parents doing either in an intact family, or even if you have two homes um, and parents are split up is that to talk about, listen, we only have 10 days left of summer before school begins. Are there things, are there like two or three things that you really want to do? And so make it fun. I make a list on the refrigerator and say, what are the three things you want to do before, you know, um, August 24th. And so I'm committed to doing those three things with, with, with my girls. And then the other thing is to ask if they want to see any of their school friends. A lot of families spend time elsewhere or a lot of families like I know we stick closer to our neighborhood and don't see our school friends all the time and so I make a point to ask them who they'd want to see from 
their school their school so they can be more familiar when they see their classmates. And if you're if your kids are like under the age of eight, I think that's extremely important to do. Or and it might just even be a FaceTime of, hey, do you want to see somebody so they're not as nervous to walk in? And then the other piece is if your child is entering middle school or high school and they're going to a new school, it's even a little more important to talk about that transition. So it might look like you're driving around you're, you're driving them to the new school and showing them how long it will take to walk, ride a bike or take the bus there. It might be finding out the teacher's name and um, learning your new schedule. It might be important to go to that back to school night and learn where your locker is and, and whatnot. So it's sort of thinking of thinking a little bit beyond that. Um, would you call it the runway? Yes. <laughs> give them the I, runway. I was going to say the airport, but as you, as you look beyond that runway, you kind of get them thinking like, you have a new school, you have new classes, you're now in middle school. So you just start talking about it. And, and one last piece before I um, take a breath and, um, and pause, Susan, is it's really important as us as parents to be optimistic and positive about that transition and talk about it in a way that is um, and somewhat exciting. And so, and Susan, you just mentioned that you remember when you were a kid um, just a few years ago and, um, and uh you get to say to them, like, I remember picking out my first outfit and I say with like you, I would put it out. And, yeah. um, so you, so you, so you should share some vulnerability around that. It's, it can be difficult and a little scary to start back at school. Yeah. Well, and, and what you're raising for me and thinking about that is there's also, as you, I, I love that idea of driving the route to school. So they know, and maybe if it's a new school showing them, the other thing that strikes me is often if a family has separated and is now living in two households, yeah. they may know how to get to their school from one household, but it may be that from their new household, their new house with the parent who's maybe moved to a new location, that you know it would be helpful for that parent to also reassure them and show them, yes, you're going to be able to get to school from here as well. Because I know you know, sometimes mm -hmm. you have a situation where the kids can go to school from the bus on the bus from one household, but the other household may be in a different district or the bus isn't available. So kids can get nervous about that kind of thing. And that's actually a really good point. So to that end, even more important to, you know, practice that route from mom and dad's house. So they feel comfortable that they're not going to be late and that they're going to be comfortable getting there. Um, Cause sometimes, I mean, if they, if your divorce was this summer, your separation was a summer that's new for kids. And remember from um, when parents separate and divorce, kids have two different personas. They have a persona that they have at their mom's house and they have a persona that they have at their dad's house or, you know, two dads or two moms, depending upon the, the structure of your family unit. And it's important that they feel confident at one parent's house and also confident at the other parent's home. And when we, when we have an opportunity in a few minutes, we talk about sort of like how to set up your home to be successful for, a, you know, um, how to set up your home um, and or two homes for kids to be successful. Well, and that's a, actually a great um, segue because um, it, you and I were talking just a minute ago before we started taping. And I think it's so important. You were talking about sort of different stations in the home um, and it's brilliant. It's a great idea. And I realized when you said it, we actually did do that um, with the triplets when um, they were in our home, but I didn't even realize that's what we were doing. We were setting up stations. So explain what you were you were suggesting because I think it's a great idea. 
So um, setting up stations, the first most important station is the backpack station. And again, it's, you know, depending upon your home size and where it can literally be just by the door to the right. It doesn't have to be this big mud room and whatnot. But if you do have a little area off the door where kids always come in and out, it should be within a few feet of that. And so um, that would be your backpack station. And that's where your backpack and your shoes always go and your empty lunch boxes or whatnot. And that's really, really important. So then in the morning, we all know out there whose parents are trying to get their kids in the morning together. It's always a scramble despite our well intentions around having a peaceful morning. Hint, hint, Jenny. Um, <laughs> it is, it is. So the backpack station is just so we're not scrambling to know where the backpacks are. That's the first and really important one. The second important um, station would be to have a quiet space where your kids can do homework and I like to encourage parents to have the same space and it doesn't always have to be a desk in their bedroom. It could be the dining room table or an office elsewhere, but that's where you have in that workstation, you have extra pencils and, you know, highlighters and paper and um, maybe even like a water bottle. So the kids get into routine of like, that's where you go and do your homework. Um, and then the last one is kind of like kids like this. And I always like to engage my kids with this one is like, is to have a space for after-school snacks. There's like a cupboard in my house that I'm like, what snacks do you want? And then we buy them and we know that when you go um, after school um, to hang out there. And then sort of like, I, I also always have rules of like, you make sure you clean up after yourself and then drop your lunchbox off in the kitchen. So, um, and as much eat, like our kids can do, I mean, you can do this with even kids who are five years old, okay? And you can even do this with kids who are 17 and 18 years old. So this is not, these are universal um, guidelines and it's going to make your life as a parent much easier. And even when you have two homes and depending on your co-parenting relationship, you can you can say, hey, you know, to your, 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 um, your ex-spouse, these are, this is what works really well with so-and-so, do you, you know, would you consider doing that? And then if he or she or they want to do something different and even similar, again, kids learn at both homes. Um, and I think kids feel good about that. Honestly, they feel good about it. And you can always go, remember, where's the homework station? Where's your backpack station? Yeah, I, I love that. And I love, you know, and would encourage co-parents to establish those three stations. They don't have to even be similar in Correct. the two homes. They could be completely different, but there's a lot of just the continuity of having that in the three, in the two homes for your kids. And that you said it would make parenting a lot easier. You can do it with five-year-olds. You can do it with 17-year-olds. Let me point out, if you start it with your five-year-old, your 17-year-old is much more likely to do it. So make your life easy. Start it with your five-year-old. There's another aspect here, and this is a little tip from uh, my co-parenting time um, as a step parent or bonus parent, when we had the three kids running around going to school from two different homes, mm -hmm. invariably someone would forget something at one household that they needed for homework or to take to school. So we actually, before they, you went out our back door into the garage to get into the car, we had a checklist or just a reminder list there. And when they would come into our house on a weekend, I'd write down, I'd ask them, what are the important things that you need to make sure you take with you or that you need for school? And we'd write things down on there. And we'd also have just, you know, backpack, um, you know, different list of things that were commonly 
taken. And everybody would sort of take a look at the list on their way out the door. And I can't tell you how many times that saved our butts from having to make that drive with somebody's forgotten homework or something like that. So just a simple list by the door can be super helpful. That's a really good idea. I'm working with a family right now whose son plays an instrument. I think it's like a violin. And if they forget the violin at mom's and mom's gone and they can't get a key to get in. So it's like, I'm going to tell them like yeah. to write like a, the, the three things or two things that you cannot remember. Cause you can have separate, you know, you can have two sets of clothes and two sets of pens and pencils and two lunch boxes. But um, there's always, as just like you described, there's always one or two things that you just inevitably have to have like in your transfer bag or in your backpack yeah. when you, when you sweat, when you go to different homes. Yeah. And it causes a huge amount of stress for the kids. It does. Those That's things right. get left behind and, and it can actually impact their educational success because if it's a homework assignment or their science book that they absolutely you know, need to have for class, but they, you just gave a great example, a parent who's out of town, they can't get into the house to get that book. It got left behind. So that's the sort of thing that we can reduce some of that stress by just a simple little you know, mechanism of having a note or a checklist or even put it on your phone. I mean, we don't have to be so old school as to put sticky notes on the back door, but we can. The old school works sometimes. Yeah. And I mean, you bring up another really good point. Um, there are like a few other things that some families really enjoy doing. Some families have a family calendar um, not far from the backpack station or in the kitchen, like potentially right before you walk out the door and um, sort of highlight what's going on in the week. And again, kids really enjoy predictability and certainty. And although we can't walk through every um, sort of moment in time with them. It's important as if you, even with one kid or three kids to say, hey, you know, Susan's got the violin thing on Wednesday, Jenny's got the so-and-so on Thursday. So kids, you know, in a family unit like to know what's going on. And so it just teaches sort of, um, I don't know, like I come from like a family systems background. So it teaches that this, we as a system coexist with one another. Yeah, that's a great point. And you know, if, if Jenny has her ballet recital on Thursday and she's leaving dad's house on Sunday, it may be just a reminder that she needs to take her ballet slippers and out and leotard with her. So, you know, even though it's not something she needs that day, she's going to need it on Thursday. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, you bring up a really good point. It's important as the parent to remember those things, even at night, whether it's a text to your kid. I mean, if they don't have phones, it's like, good night. And remember to put your thing in the bag. Um, so there is some onus on each of us as a parent, and I encourage kids from a very young age to have self, you know, to have agency. So when you, it just goes back to that, help us. I want you to be a part of buying school supplies. I want you to help pick out, um, you know, like there's, I always like encourage a morning routine and a night routine. And so I know my kids are just, they, they like picking out the clothes before they go to sleep in, at night because one of them likes to sleep in and only wants 20 minutes to get ready. And so the, most, the more you can do in the evening to get ready for the morning, um, that's another tip to decrease um, the organized chaos in the, mor in the morning. And the stress on your kids. Well, and that's, you know, I, I like what you're saying there about talking to your kids mm -hmm. about what's the changes that are coming, um, what they like. I, I think that's really impactful right there about talking, you know, you have one daughter who only 
has elected to have a 20 minute window to get ready in the morning because sleep is important to her. There's, there's a, um, a collaborativeness to that discussion with your daughter, because frankly, I would be like, oh no, you need an hour so that you can like do this, do that, do that. Cause that's how I get ready. But maybe for your daughter, 20 minutes is perfectly fine. She can rush through it and she'd rather have that sleep. So there's a, a nice, um, aspect of being, of setting up and preparing and letting children have some autonomy or some voice in what their new routine is going to start looking like. Yeah. Um, you bring up something that's also really important is if you have more than one child, it's really, I would guarantee that each of those kids have different needs and desires and wants. So if, if you know that one kid wants more time, then you sort of know that in your mind. And then one, one kid doesn't need that much time also. But the other piece is to, because it takes a minute for everybody to get used to the school year, there's a saying, and again, I spent 19 years in schools, there's a saying among teachers and among um, you know staff, support staff like myself, is that school is not in a routine until Halloween. So if you think about that, and every teacher who knows, who's been in education for a long time, it's a joke. It's like, oh my gosh, we finally got to Halloween. So if you do the math, that is all of September and all of October. So go easy on yourselves, be gentle. I always recommend parents, if you can be around that first seven to 10, 10 days of school. So you have a pulse of what they're feeling like at after school and in the evening. So you're sort of, if you can do a family dinner a few times a week, it's important to ask them what's going well, what's um, you know, how they're, you know, how kind of the vibe is um, getting back to school. The other piece is if you're new or if you're moving into a new school or if you're entering a grade school or middle school or high school, it's important to understand that sometimes our friend groups change. Yeah. And it's important to understand that sometimes kids had a summer where they just made some changes. And so sometimes we take things so personally and our kids are so self-centered and want to be, um, you know, valued and liked that it's important to say sometimes our friends group change, our friends change and, um, to be open to new meeting new people. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that's sort of part of that discussion of, you know, supporting your kids as they go into the new, new school yeah. year, because even if it's the same school, even if they're going back to the same place they've been in school for three, four, five other mm -hmm. years and have friends, it can be really nerve wracking, especially if a divorce or separation has gone on in the family, which can feel like a big upheaval. And one thing I know is when divorce happens, sometimes other kids have questions about that. And your kids can be very nervous about having to talk about that topic when they get back to school. You, um, you, you, you are so right. And I know when I got my divorce over three years ago, it happened, we told our kids in May. And so when they went back to school and everyone knows this, they like bring pictures of your family, bring pictures of your parents. What do your parents do? And so my daughters brought pictures of me and them and then their dad and them. And I know that at first, one of them, the younger one was like, I don't, I just want, why am I, why are we divorced? And I don't want to do this. And over time, they got more comfortable with it, but you nailed it. It is not the easiest thing for kids to go back and say, oh, my parents are divorced because it's just not at, well, we, we know it's common, but it can be tricky for them. So even like having that conversation, Susan, and saying, listen, 
there are other kids in your class that have divorces. And so when you say that, it might feel weird, but I promise you, you're not alone. Yeah. And, and just making that, making them aware that the questions may come. That's right. And, and I always say sort of maybe practice answers, you know, thank you. Yeah. We're, we're all good, you know, or, or whatever might make them feel comfortable so that they are not worried about what other kids might say, because we all know kids, you know, the kids say the darndest things. Sometimes kids unintentionally can be hurtful to each other, or they've overheard parents gossiping about another family or, or something of that nature. So I think it's really important to, you know, lay, set up that um, understanding that if it's a newly divorced um, or separated family situation, your kids may have an extra layer of trepidation or fear around getting back into their social circle because they don't know how to approach it. So, you and know, the school unintentionally may be bringing up family, as you say. And the other piece to that is as, as parents, each of us, it's important to contact the school personnel, whether it's their homeroom teacher or whether it's the school counselor, even like the assistant principal. I know when that happened with our family, I let everybody know that was important to my kids. And I said, you don't necessarily have to tell them that I've called you and explained to them what happened, but I want you in the back of your head to understand that this has not only been a few months. And so when questions arise, like one of my, I think she was in second grade and two of the kids had said, well, what, what is a divorce? I don't understand. What does that mean? Wait, what do you mean? And then one girl, one kid, bless her heart was like, why, why? And so she came home in tears and I said, it's a natural question. And um, so just if you can get in front of that, but I really encourage parents out there who are listening to not be shy about communicating with the school. And I would say, I would say less is not more in this situation. I would say more is better. And um, especially if it's a newer divorce and separation, I would just call the, the teacher every few weeks and just say, hey, checking in, are kids saying anything about it? And do I need to know of anything? And, and honestly, as somebody who worked in the schools for almost 20 years, I so appreciated those phone calls and emails that said, this is what happened in our family. And um, the same goes if there was a loss or a death or um, somebody moving in or whatnot. So it's important to really communicate with the school. Such an important tip and one I don't know that everyone would think of. So I'm so glad that mm -hmm. you brought that up because um, many people feel very private about their divorce. Yeah. Um, there's still feelings of shame and, and, you know, a lot of different feelings around negative feelings around divorce. And so I think it is hard for people, um, to talk about, but for your children's sake, I think letting the teacher know, letting the school counselor know, letting the important, if your kids play a sport, letting maybe their coach know, these are people who are with your kids almost as much, if not more sometimes than you are and well, are support yeah. systems for your children. Well, and they're the eyes and the ears. And so you nailed it. I mean, the kids are at school over 20, you know, eight times five, 40 hours a week. And so there are things that will happen that we are not privy to. And so it is important, again, when you when you communicate with the school, it can be an email and that can be at like great length and then you can follow it up with a phone call, but it is very, you're, you're doing it for your kids. I mean, truly, truly. So um, it's okay. It's, it's okay. Yeah. It can be hard. I know the first time I told them, I was like in tears, like we got a divorce. And then like the second and third year, I'm like, here's the thing. Here's what, here's what our family structure looks like. Um, and it became sort of a, a non-issue. And then as kids get older in school, there are more divorces. And so it's not so um, um, maybe, you know, hard to discuss or shameful to talk about. 
Yeah. Well, and, and the other point is some schools have resources yeah. for kids yeah. whose families have morphed in some way, yes. have changed in some yeah. way. I know the triplets um, at lunchtime, a couple times a month had the option of going to something called, uh, ice cream splits. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was wow. about kids whose parents had split and they found that helpful. It's a peer group. It's so you, you never, I mean, the school can be another additional resource for you. Um, one thing I want to ask you about though, into, in this space of, you know, separate families, co-parenting children who are going to, uh, going to school, we often have differing parenting styles and differing parent involvement in educational issues, I'll say. And when the family was together, that bifurcation of, of um, attention may work well. It doesn't work as well sometimes when people are in two separate households, when parents are in two separate households. You know, and, and what would you recommend? I, mean, I know we have people out there who are like, yeah, well, my co-parent doesn't do any, anything with the school. They don't get in contact. They expect me to do everything. They, or they don't do anything the way I tell them to do it, which is the yeah. other thing here all the time. So what do, you, what do you tell or what would you say to co-parents who are not on the same path or on this, of the same mindset when it comes to education? Well, I mean, that, that's tricky. And, and I, think, I think the broader answer is that typically there's one parent that does more of the scheduling and not overcompensating, but there's usually one spouse or one partner that takes over the educational part and all the appointments. There are some parents that they both do it and they sort of split the, um, split the responsibilities. But if we talk about the former where one spouse or one parent usually does all of it. And the other person might not even know, like with a lot of my clients, it's not always the mom, but like, let's say it's usually the mom, the dad feels disempowered and doesn't know how to use the school system of like, how do you go in there and see what your kids' classes are and um, important dates about parent-teacher conferences. So I come from a place and, you know, my ex and I sometimes didn't have the best communication style. And so what I would do is I would do the lion's share of things. And then what I would do is I would email him and text him and say, here are the really important dates, please put them on your calendar. And then I also followed up like on that Sunday saying, you know, this thing and this thing. And and I don't know if that was necessarily enabling, but I know that in order, it was important for me that he showed up. And so I knew that was a way that that was my tip to work for, for us. Alternatively, if, you know, some people use my family wizard and, and other communication, things like that. And so in those communication spaces, it's important to note the important dates. Um, And, or if you are generous and nice, you can actually teach the other parent how to do um, the school. I mean, like, you know, it's like Canvas. So there's like two, there's like two or three things that many schools use. So they know, but it's, it's hard for the parent who didn't do it to learn how to do it. And so sometimes they just like, quote unquote, like have to just like have to do it. Or, and I'll stop for a second, is that sometimes kids, have to go home and they have to say, Hey mom or dad, look, there's that thing tomorrow. And then they're like, okay. So it's really about just learning a new skill. And so the kids feel like both mom and dad have it. And again, you don't want the kids to, you do not want to share with your kids. Hey, mom has no clue how to do, um, yeah. you know, like at my school at Latin, it was like, Rome, no, he does not know how to do Romanette or mom doesn't know how to do Romanette and dad only knows. If you can, in an ideal world, you want both both parents to have a little bit of knowledge 
Um, but, but also like, I couldn't even keep up with all the emails and conferences and dates. Like I had to like intentionally put down dates and times and um, be reminded by my mom friends. So it's like learning a new skill. Well, it's hard and it, it, yeah. it really is. And if you are the parent who is the one who usually does most of the work, I do know that you can start to feel very resentful um, that you are bearing the the lion's share of that work and that the other parent is not. But always remember the ultimate beneficiaries of that hard work are your children and your your ex-spouse or, or co-parent may be an unintended beneficiary. And here's a little mediator tip that of how mm -hmm. to approach somebody. If your co-parent is not you know, able to use the, the school portal, the, the online portal, sometimes saying, would it be helpful if I walked you through this without saying you jerk, you don't know how to use this. I can't believe you haven't, which you may be thinking it, <laughs> you probably are, but would it be helpful if I walked you through this is a, is an approachable way for you to effectuate what you want, which is that your kids have an involved co-parent. And I love that you said that, right? You said what you wanted is it was important to you that your, their dad was at these things. It was important to them. That's why it was important to you. You know, and he appreciated it. And, and the other piece is like all the schools have a registrar and have somebody to walk you through it. I know at the old school, the school I worked at, they would like send an email, any questions about Romanet, email this person. So if you don't want to rely on your ex-spouse or um, it's, you can get the help. And, um, but again, it's not so much about, I know other couples sometimes like, well, I don't want to tell him it's his responsibility or it's her responsibility to look online. And if they don't know about it, then they're going to show up and look bad. And my kids are disappointed. That's not the way to go about things. Because if you have shared, this is me, you know, in mediation and even collaborative law, if you have the same shared common goals and interests, the goal and interest is that the kids have both parents there. So the way you go about getting the parents there, it might not be as feel as good, but ultimately you want their, them there for the kids. Yeah. And, and that's the, that is always the deep breath you take. And the thing that you remember when you have to take that extra step or make that extra effort to reach out to the registrar to get some education on how to use the portal or whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I do want to hit on one more thing because we actually talked about it in the episode that we did on surviving the holidays in two new homes and, and that, and that was building new traditions. Um, and it's also true here around school. And it makes me think when we talk about traditions with the triplets every year, starting with kindergarten, they took a picture on the front steps of their mom's house. And she would send us that picture. And we always made sure that they were at their mom's house for the first day of school. That was another thing. That was something in our family that worked. Yeah. But, uh, we all have a picture of those three kids standing on those front steps every single year from kindergarten through their graduation from high school. And I love that. it was awesome. It was, it was a wonderful tradition that we shared in the two households, but you can also have traditions in both households. So I wanted you to, you know, to expound on that for the school year a little bit. So I, I love this. Um, I love this topic because change is hard and it takes a minute for all of us to get used to. But when I was explaining, like showing optimism and showing them that school can be, you know, it's exciting. We have a new change coming up. Things about traditions 
I'll, I'll go back to the school photo because that's always, I mean, there are half of the kids out there, if you're like my kids, that are like, I am not taking a picture and the pictures are like this. So I say then, look, if you're not going to take a picture with me in the morning, then do you want to do it after school that day or the night before? And that's how I can get them to take their picture. But going back to the creating fun traditions is I, one idea is to say to your kids, what is your favorite dinner and what do you want for dinner the night before you, you go to school? Or what do you want for breakfast the morning that you come home? Or what do you want for dinner the first night back to school? So it just gets them like, they're like small things to um, ask the kids what they want. And again, so if they're excited about like sushi or pasta or chicken Alfredo the night before, then it gets them slightly more relaxed about school. And I promise you now I have to go home and do this. Not that my kids will listen to this podcast, Susan, but we have this place called Fire Cake Donuts down the street. We just moved to this new community and the Fire Cake Donuts, I'm not only obsessed with, but they are too. And I, I can promise you, since now I have to practice what I preach, if I ask them, I 90% of the time, they're going to say Fire Cake Donuts. So <laughs> I love those traditions. And then one, one other fun tradition, um, sorry about that, is to, um, is to do like a 30 and 60 day sort of like, um, not like goal, but like in 30 days, what do you want for dinner? Like, it just makes them think like, Hey, you made it through the first month of school. Congratulations. And again, in 60 days, there'll be the Halloween and all, you guys will be all, you'll Home be like free. all, like <laughs> all net, nested into your routine. So again, just make it fun. Don't make it complicated. Like you don't have to like, you know, open up a, oh, use everything in, in your kitchen, but just, just make it fun for them. Yeah. You know what? I, this is making me think, I know our listeners out there have some great ideas for school traditions um, and things that they do around the school year. So email them and we're going to share them on the Instagram page for the podcast. So send them to divorceandbeyondpod at gmail.com. And Jenny and I are going to share some of these traditions that you all have to help other families come up with new things. Um, but I would like a fire cake donut, please. So if well, you don't mind. Just, yeah. Tell me what flavor I like the cake. I like the glazed cake. Uh, well, it, I basically donuts are my favorite food. So I'm afraid to find out how good these donuts are because that's going to be dangerous. For I'll me. bring you one this fall. <laughs> I did not know that about you. I don't meet other donut lovers. So now I love you even more. Yeah, well, and that's, you know, when you meet someone that you just know is a sister from another life here, here we have another um, example. Why? <laughs> totally, totally true. True. So I thank you so much for helping me with this episode, because I know this is a time for all families, but especially families who are going through divorce and separation, yeah. this can be very stressful. And I think that your tips are just so helpful. And, and, you know, I talk about the golden nuggets all the time. There's so many golden nuggets here yeah. to help families, help parents and help children have yeah. a, have a wonderful school year, right? Everybody. It's a, it's an exciting time. Yes. And you can ask like Susan, like what, another thing I didn't mention is like, ask your kids what their hopes and dreams are. Like they, they might have something that they really want to learn or experiment with. And so um, it's just like, you can always go back to that. So have like, like you said, have fun with it. It's an exciting time of year. And um, if you're like me, I'm sort of really excited for them to go back into a routine. No shame in that, everybody. We exactly. all need some time to ourselves. So yeah. if anybody would like to reach out to you, and I'm sure they will, what's the best way to get in touch with you, Jenny? Um, my website, which is www.createchangeconsultants.com um, or my Instagram, which is at create 
Change Consultants. And feel free to ask any questions. I love helping parents navigate change and whatnot. And thank you so much for having me. I love being on here. It's so awesome to see you. Always. And I'm so, this is an episode. I just so appreciate your, your clearing your schedule. As I said, your kids going to school in just a couple of days, but thank you. This is, um, this is going to help a lot of families and a lot of kids. My pleasure. So thanks for listening in. And I hope you found Jenny's tips and insights to be especially helpful as you navigate this difficult time, perhaps for your family. I also wanted to let you know about another resource because I've partnered with Soberlink to help create and offer resources to help you navigate this upcoming back to school season. So if you go to soberlink.com backslash Susan, you are gonna find a downloadable list of free back to school and divorce packets that include an expert Q&A with me, a back to school checklist, communication tips, and more. So be sure to go to soberlink.com backslash Susan.